Hi everyone, welcome back to your favorite one-of-a-kind true crime podcast, The Visitation. I am your host, Crystal Coral. Today's episode is a case that has left an imprint in my heart, and ever since I had the opportunity to review this case last year, I still can't stop thinking about it. This case still remains unsolved. This case dates back to the summer of 1985. The location, Dallas, Texas. The crazy thing about this case was, at first, the authorities tried to rule this as a suicide until recently. Authorities realized that they screwed up in the beginning. And now this is an active homicide investigation. This case is about Catherine Katrina Diane Mowry, whose life was cut short when she was just 24 years old. She was found naked, wrapped in a sheet, stuffed in a trunk, in an abandoned car, in a nearby alley in Dallas, Texas. In the beginning stages of the investigation, the Dallas police tried to rule Catherine's death as a suicide, but due to the way that her body was found, had several of her family members questioning the police's ruling. How could a woman wrap herself in a sheet close the trunk on herself, all while being naked, and no one seeing a thing. Doesn't that sound a bit ridiculous? Well, her niece agrees with me, and I have had the honor in speaking with her more about her aunt's case, in which I will be sharing that interview on today's episode. So, before we dive in, I gotta ask you, are you ready to solve the impossible? Catherine Katrina Diane Mowry was living her best life in a small apartment in Dallas, Texas. Before I continue, I want to note that during Catherine's early adulthood, she changed her name to Katrina. And moving forward throughout this episode, I will be calling her Katrina. According to the family, Katrina had a bit of a history of hanging around the wrong crowd. I say this as she was friends with people who were doing drugs. Her parents were not that accepting of her lifestyle, friend choices, but Katrina felt that she was in charge of her own path. In her earlier years, Katrina grew up and lived in Kansas, but when she turned 18, she left home, and at the youthful age of 24, she was living in Dallas, Texas. Knowing that Katrina was just 24 years young during this time can make a young adult feel invincible. In mid-June 1985, Katrina was planning to see her sister, Deborah, in Kansas. She was planning to drive up there to visit with her. However, the two of them had an argument over the phone in which, according to reports, Deborah hung up the phone on Katrina. Deborah still believed that her sister would still drive up and both of them would fix the issue in person. No big deal, right? Unfortunately, Katrina would not make that drive to visit her sister. On June 25th, 1985, Dallas officials received a call from an employee of the Casa 3 Apartments about a suspicious odor coming from a parked car around the corner in the alley nearby. According to reports, the manager of the Casa 3 Apartments, which is located in 200 block of South Lancaster Avenue, states that the individual was walking by an alley when she noticed a strong odor coming from a 1978 Ford that was parked nearby. Without hesitation, she contacted the Southwest Station of the Dallas Police Department. When the officers arrived, they too noticed the foul odor. When authorities pried open the trunk, they discovered the decomposing body of an unidentified female who was wrapped in a white bedsheet. She was naked underneath, and she had a belt wrapped around her neck. The body was examined by a medical examiner, and according to Dallas police, they stated that through dental records, they were able to identify the body as Katrina Mowry. But here's something interesting. 
According to the actual autopsy report, it states that Katrina was identified through fingerprints, not dental records. This will be one of the many conflicting stories that Dallas police will be responsible for. Also, here is something interesting to, to make note of. Investigators claim that due to the decomposing stage of Katrina's body, it was difficult for the medical examiner to see if she had any markings on her body that may have been a cause in her death. But I just don't believe that. You see, I have so many questions for the medical examiner on this subject, such as how hot were the temps at that time? In reports, it states that she was deceased for two days prior to being found. So if she was in the trunk, how can her body be so heavily decomposed so quickly? Especially if her body was wrapped so tightly in a sheet. You see, her body was found wrapped repeatedly tight, like a mummy type of wrap. So how can air get in? Like, how can her body decompose that quickly? You see, there is no air getting in the trunk, so you would think it would slow down decomposition, right? The medical examiner was able to state that Katrina was not sexually assaulted prior to her death. But what about other markings? Also, was DNA taken off the sheet or even from the belt that was found wrapped around her neck? Maybe from her fingernails? It just doesn't make any sense. The lead investigator who was in charge of the crime scene, I feel missed several steps. Again, this is just my personal opinion. You see, when they found Katrina's life, lifeless body in the trunk, they also found other items in the trunk near her body. These items were a crown royal bag, two brown sandals that didn't look to be hers, and four or five loose particle hair, pieces of hair that were didn't belong to hers, but they didn't have any roots. And then according to authorities, those hair samples were not testable. But what about the other pieces? Are those other pieces testable? Maybe the sandals? Like, doesn't this seem like someone didn't want to do their job? Doesn't it seem like a half-assed job well done. Now, I want to make a very important note because I will talk more about how the police at the time handled this case and journalism ethics. A toxicology was done on Katrina, and guess what? There were no drugs or alcohol found in her system. So, why in God's green earth, did the Dallas PD tell Katrina's family that she died from an, from an overdose? Yeah, you heard that correctly. And yeah, Dallas PD, I just went there. In fact, they even told a reporter the next day after finding Katrina's body, they told the reporter from the Dallas Morning News back in 1985, and there is an article that states that, and again, this will be on my show notes, it states they told the media that Katrina died from an overdose. Again, this was before they even received a toxicology report. Why? Why would you speak like, why would you tell a reporter that, yes, looks like an overdose, without any evidence. There's no evidence to support that. How? Why would you say that? Why? And I'm going to read you. <laughs> Ugh. I am going to read you the article. It's a small kind of clip of it. And again, this, this article will be like linked in my show notes. <sighs> the article reads, and I quote, we speculate that she died on somebody and they just got scared and put her in the trunk. End of quote. This is coming from Dallas Homicide Sergeant H.M. Rice told the Morning News in 1985. Quote, it's not going to be classified as a murder because we don't know who put her in there. End of quote. What? Now, I know... I'm just a small-time criminologist here, 
and I'm saying this to be sarcastic, but here's my two cents. You don't know who put her in there. You also don't know what caused her death. This is still considered a homicide, Sergeant Rice. That is your job, Sergeant Rice. That's your definition. Your definition is a homicide. That is what you do. Murder is defined as an intent to kill, while homicide is defined in killing of another person. So why was this not listed as a homicide instead of a murder? Why? Did you need a dictionary to help you define that? Because right now, and I'm gonna be blunt, looks like you guys were just not bright. And it looks like you guys in, back in 1985 needed, needed a refresher on ethics and talking to journalists and needed an ethics and taught in learning and learning the true definition of what a murder and a homicide is. Because that is your job. Your job as a homicide detective, you, that is what you do. You clearly see a woman who, who is wrapped in a sheet with a belt around her neck with mysterious items around her. Come on. Yeah, someone did put her in there. Obviously, she couldn't have put herself in there. It's a homicide. My gosh. And the, and the crappy thing is, is that at first, ugh, at first the police tried to list Katrina's death as a suicide. That's what infuriates me. <laughs> I don't know who the smart bucko was that even thought that this could have been a, a plausible thing, but wow, just wow. I swear, some people just don't know how to do their jobs, especially when it comes to protecting lives. So when the suicide didn't work out, the police ruled it as an unexplainable death. Now, remember, as I mentioned before, Katrina died two days earlier. So what happened on June 23rd, 1985? There is a witness who went to Dallas PD and gave a statement. She claimed to have seen Katrina alive at 6.20 a.m. on Sunday, June 23rd. However, the manager at the apartment complex claimed to have seen the car where Katrina was found, the same car. That car was parked in the alley since Saturday, which is June 22nd, okay? But Katrina's estimated death is June 23rd. So if the car was parked there on Saturday night all night, and again, June 23rd, and, and it, like, doesn't make sense. How can Katrina be in two places at the same time? Something doesn't add up. Also, when investigators went to Katrina's apartment, they found, according to them, nothing out of the ordinary. There, there was no signs of forced entry. Nothing was missing. Reports state that her glasses and contacts, which she is legally blind without, were found on her nightstand. Her travel bags were also found by the front door, indicating that she, you know, she was planning to make that trip to Kansas to visit her sister. Authorities then located Katrina's boyfriend after discovering the vehicle what belonged to him. Yeah, the vehicle where Katrina's body was found, that was his car. They spoke with him, and he claimed to have no knowledge that she was still in Dallas. He believed that she must have left in Kansas. And according to authorities, he had an alibi for the time of her death. Also, he was unaware that his car was missing because it was not unusual for Katrina to borrow it whenever she made trips back home. Hmm. Interesting, right? Since then, there were no leads in Katrina's case and her case went cold. And ever since then, her case just wasn't given the, the attention or the respect by the Dallas PD. And I say this because Katrina did not fit the right type of profile because of her history of being associated with people who did drugs. And the thing about it is that when police literally went to the news journalist, the reporter, and stated that, yeah, it's an overdose, they didn't want to talk and say like, oh yeah, we made a mistake back in 1985. So they didn't do very much of anything about it. That was the only attention it's ever gotten, which is messed up. The lack of support and assistance that was given to Katrina's family from Dallas PD is beyond infuriating. The authorities 
that handled Katrina's case at that time did not do a thorough job while investigating her apartment, and here's why. According to Katrina's family, Katrina is actually legally blind, but her glasses and contacts were found in her home apartment, meaning she could not have driven herself across town to Oak Cliff, where her body was found. Oh, and I forgot to mention that her apartment was located near Irving, Texas. That is about a 20-minute drive without traffic. So someone must have driven the car with her body in it. Or she drove in the car and she was murdered in the vehicle. There are a lot of plausible things. But whichever it may be, the police should have taken DNA samples from the vehicle. Right? That's just common sense. But I can bet that they didn't because based on their job and their behavior on this case, it just seems that things, again, were done half-assed. And I don't like when people do half-assed things. It screams laziness and cowardness. So I had the honor of speaking with Katrina's niece, who is in fact named after her. Her name is Katrina Marshall, and she has been so vocal about her aunt's case. And asking the police to reinvestigate her aunt's case to do their job and here's what she had to say i am here today with katrina marshall um she is katrina it's so funny to say your name and your aunt's name um i know that you're named after your aunt <laughs> it's just it's like katrina and katrina i i love your aunt's name and saying your name i know that you're named after her correct Correct, in her memory, yep. So can you tell us more about your your aunt? Well, I obviously did not um, meet her personally because I was named after her after she died. <laughs> um, so obviously I can't tell you like from a direct perspective, but uh, my mother, of course, you know, kept her memory alive at all costs, any and all costs including, you know, at the cost of our family relationships. Um, <laughs> but uh, she, I mean, I've gotten multiple people's perspectives and opinions and views, and she was very, um, she was the oldest, so she was kind of like, you know, the one they looked up to, the other two sisters. Um, she was very, her and my mom were the closest. They were very, they were like best friends. They all three were, but especially my mom and my aunt Katrina. So, and they were all three like stair-stepped. So one was born in like 61, one was in 62, and then one was in 63. Being my mom, she was the baby. My mom was the baby. And so they were just like best friends, no matter what kind of like craziness or mischief, you know, any of them got into, they always had that sisterly bond. You know, my mom always described it as a bond closer than any, any adhesive ever marketed is how she described it, which is <laughs> a pretty, a, a pr pretty cool way to word that. I think um, she was, she was a really good writer too. So. So based on on that information and a little, you know, research that I was doing on your aunt's case, um, Deborah, your mom and Katrina had a very unique bond. Deborah had stated that Katrina was planning to go see your mom in Kansas and they had an argument on the phone, correct? And yes, they did have an argument on the phone. Um, apparently this happened on the June 18th. June 18th. Okay. So June 18th happened and, and Deborah actually thought that they were just going to kind of like reconnect again when like talk back again, when um, Katrina met her right. in Kansas, because that's how their relationship was. Right. Oh, absolutely. They, they, I mean, they felt like they were sisters because well, yeah. they were, <laughs> they, you know, they, that was just, that's just how sisters are. Like even my girls are just, ugh. <laughs> so you know I mean they just you know and also you know it's not like anyone has cell phones it's not like you can just send a text and be like sorry oh yeah <laughs> you know yeah. like so it's kind of hard you couldn't really get a hold of someone unless they were like at home by the phone so 
No, no, I completely, I, I, I totally get it. You know, when I reviewed your aunt's case, I, like a year ago, it, it always stuck with me. And I remember texting you, you know, that her story stuck with me and I wanted to do her story again. Um, because I felt like we, we needed more and you really know how I feel about Dallas PD. <laughs> Yeah, um, we've had a lot of we've had a lot of progress, and I've had a lot of you know, yeah, information yeah. finally. And a, a little, I've done a lot of a lot, or at least what would seem like a lot in a shorter amount of time in comparison to you know thirty, forty years. But <laughs> you know, I guess that's is, not hard to do. <laughs> oh, I know, and and you, and I remember when um when you brought the her her case to me, I was like. That's all they did. <laughs> yeah, because, it's crazy. Yeah, it was like the, how they wanted to rule it as a suicide, and then it was undetermined. And I kind of want, and I know there are things because it's now is a now it's kind of uh, from what I know they classified it as a homicide now. Or yes, yes, yes. So now it's an active homicide, correct? Uh, the, I that's what they say. Okay, so now that it's an active homicide, there are things that you can and cannot say, which is totally, you know, because it can hinder an investigation. But um, exactly. I can exactly. say some things. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just going to give my two cents. Reviewing the case itself, the thing that kind of blew my mind is that they first they wanted to state that it was a suicide. And based on the evidence at hand that she was found, your aunt was found in a trunk wrapped tightly in a white sheet. She was naked and with a belt around her neck. Now, how they wanted to rule it as a suicide was like no sane person would think that was a suicide. What kind of person, I mean, I can't wrap myself around a sheet and put a belt, you know, <laughs> around my neck and put myself in a trunk. In a car. So you would have had to, yeah, you would have had to have been alive to do that oh, yeah. to yourself from, from the beginning. But also, what do you do? Like, you just, you just lay there and wait to die? Like, oh, I know. Like, exactly. Like and the autopsy states that she was already deceased two days prior to being found. So, what was she doing two days prior to that? And I know that there was a lot of like contradictory stories that she was. There were witnesses that saw her, you know, at a location and another location. So I kind of wanted to talk about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so there was like a statement given to the police, apparently, of um, a friend of hers. I think actually, well, from what I've heard, was possibly rumored to be a roommate like they had an apartment together allegedly or something like that um that and I think they had mentioned she had just moved in there in like February of that year okay so it wasn't like she was there super long but also not like super new either <clears throat> and um so that person reportedly told the police she had last seen my aunt alive um the morning of june 23rd at around 6 20 a.m mm -hmm. which is interesting because the manager of the apartment complex that called the police said she had seen the car parked where it was since saturday night mm -hmm. even though someone had seen her alive on sunday morning that part has always been kind of questionable to me because I just like can't seem to get clarification and I don't even think there is any clarification I think that's just what they have in their notes or something <laughs> but regardless of course it still kind of raises eyebrows like hmm you know that's not those those don't add up obviously no they they <laughs> wow are you looking at a calendar right now no, yeah, no, no, no. I really was. No, yeah, that was my computer. I was like, I was looking at yeah, stuff. Like, really? yeah. yeah. Well, that's also yeah. the reaction of like <laughs> how I'm how I'm feeling. Um, it's funny because no one's really ever pointed that out until one day I just decided to print off like a three month span 
from 1985 for like, what, May, June, July, or something, and then so I started writing down each day, like, what had happened and whatnot, and was like, wait, hold on, <laughs> this is not right, that's not, what, <laughs> so, yeah, I kind it? of the thing about that, is that, like, you're doing that, and that's not even your job, you know what I mean, that's so yeah. freaking upsetting, and it's like you took on your aunt's case because Dallas PD couldn't do their effing job. And I applaud you. Like, I'm, you know what? I don't even care who I, who I piss off. Like (laughs) I applaud you because that, that you, you got balls, you got bigger balls than Dallas PD. Because you did something that basically was like, oh, you know, we'll 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 deal with that, and then some other day. And you were like, well, how are we all not looking at the same picture? <laughs> like you're just right, exactly. You, you literally printed stuff out. Like this is common sense, and exactly, it's like you entered a twilight zone. We're like, are, are we all not in the same like? <laughs> How, like, how they didn't even have cell phones back then, much less a time machine. When did those come out? <laughs> but it's so it's so crazy. Um oh my god. Okay, so that's that the most is- frustrating part is that you know, so much that's you know been recorded or reported or you know said about it, just it doesn't it just seems so obvious. Even to someone that's not, you know, professionally in the, in that, you know, profession, it's just like, well, I mean, a normal person could figure that out. Like, what the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> no, what are y'all exactly. looking at? No, 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 no. Exactly. I mean, a normal person who is looking at this body would say, hey, hey I don't think uh, that could be a suicide. And then how they wanted to rule it as an overdose. Okay, now. When I read the that day article, after. now when <laughs> the I day read after that, the day mm. after, exactly the day after, without any toxicology reports. Now, as a report, as a retired reporter, um, we always were like, now, now times are different. Cops don't like yeah. to talk to reporters. It's just, it's just what it is, um, because they're like either they screw things up or they misinterpret things or because there are not so smart cops that talk out of their asses, like case in point. Or they <laughs> change the, narr- the narrative to, you know, yes. fit the story or uh-huh. vice versa. Exactly. So somebody in, um, in Dallas uh, really talked to a reporter and said, yeah, it looks like an overdose without any actual evidence. So what the app- it even had it headlined the article as yeah, woman so in car drunk died of overdose. That's crazy. That's what's messed up. That is literally what is messed up. And I believe wholeheartedly because of that, it didn't even get any kind of attention because once that is stamped on, yep. nobody's gonna yep. want to look at it. Exactly. It, that's exactly right. It was very, 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 very much uh, something that was u- used in the media to bias people away from being interested in, you know, finding answers for this case, including my family. Like my grandparents, for example, they were so, I don't know if ashamed would be necessarily the right word, but disappointed, I guess, is a is a better way to, you know, say that they were they were just so disappointed at, you know, or I guess what they thought was their daughter dying of um, a cocaine overdose that they just shut it all out, you know, and it was a stigma. So it kind of just slandered the family name. It made people, you know, it just it it was just the stigma around. The possible use of drugs or the involvement of them that kind of not only made the Dallas you know gave them quote unquote supposed reason to not really give you know the case the attention that it 
deserved and they all deserved really. Um, but it, it, it made it so no one cared to even look further aside from that. And that, and that was the problem. And the biggest problem is that sometimes cops, some cops, not all cops. I say some because my brother's the detective and I know, you know, there are good cops out there, but some do not like to look bad. And when they don't like to look bad, sometimes they don't like to apologize that they were wrong because it makes the image of the police department look bad. So when they got the toxicology report stating, oh, her body is clean. (laughs) There's oh, no crap. What did we do? We screwed yeah. up. They screwed up. <laughs> so that means yeah, that they have to go okay. back on their work and that looks bad. But they didn't. So they didn't. No. They just put it underneath the rug and that's what's messed up. So they they could have at least, you know, told my grandparents, you know, oh. hey it wasn't actually an overdose like we had originally you know anticipated it might be just so you know like (laughs) yeah but they didn't and that is what is most upsetting because that is a lack of just even being respectful absolutely the lack of respect is just yes that's what's infuriating um Another thing that I also want to point out is that her decomposing body. So I know you and I, we spoke about it. And um, thanks to your aunt, uh, you and I became close. We're near friends, as I like to think. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah, no, we've kept in contact for. Yeah. Since you, you were the very first person I ever interviewed with about this case. You are the very first one that I ever like broadcasted or put out in the public eye whatsoever about anything to do with this case ever. Yeah, I know. Um, it's now, I feel like it's been a year now. Um, it has or more even maybe. Yeah. I'm even more about it. And it's still, it's still kind of haunts me. Um, because literally Dallas, it's funny because I was literally in Dallas, like what last two like two months ago um so crazy uh but your big city big city (laughs) i know big city yeah big city um but your aunt's case actually you know i feel like it brought us like closer and um we got to talk more about your aunt's case and the thing that kind of blew my I'm mind trying is, to keep you in the loop. I'm trying to keep you in the loop. <laughs> and I really, and honestly, I really respect that because I, I do, I, I'm like, I follow as much as I can because I really hope that your aunt gets the justice and the peace that, she, you know, y'all deserve that because I feel like Dallas really failed you. Um, I agree. Like the everything during the case reports from the autopsy reports from everything that I viewed, it's like, what the hell did like, it's like a half-assed job. Um, it's like somebody yeah, was being really, lazy. it really was. Somebody but was you've being been lazy. There through, you've been there from the start of the case, like the beginning of me really like actually like committing to, you know, figuring it out. Like since you were there from the very beginning of it, I and felt like, <laughs> like the updates like are obviously like anytime I get updates, I send them to you like within minutes, you know. So it's definitely been a consistent and ongoing thing. And I'm so glad that you're finally getting heard and actually, you know, somebody's actually saying like, hey, <laughs> we fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know it's, it's like yeah. I don't know if they'd say that much but uh <laughs> well I would hope so like you know and behind closed doors somebody's saying like oh we fucked up um but the, the crazy thing is, is that <laughs> I want to talk about the decomposing body now as a criminologist I know about a little bit about you know how a body decomposes and everything but the way that I'm not familiar with the Dallas temperature at that time of year, but because of how her body was wrapped up so tight, I, and the autopsy, I'm not sure the autopsy states this, but I know the authorities stated that 
her body was heavily decomposed, so they couldn't figure out any kind of markings on her. Um, mm, how well, fucking hot you know. was it there? Well, for a day and a half, too. Like, yeah, yeah. But even on the police report, it states that it was cloudy that day anyway. <laughs> so for a body to be heavily decomposed, so a body decomposes quicker and faster in humid areas. Um, when it's cold, when it's when it's like when a body is wrapped the way that your aunt's body was wrapped, it does break down. There is still like you're able to still see um the body would go in rigor mortis or you know there's still some fluid there's still some you know um if you're if you are an expert in your field as a medical examiner you are well aware of what is actual bruising what is post post-mortem bruising you know so forth it's in fact mm-hmm. it's got into it you know whatever um now i i would i, I would assume that the medical examiner may be brighter than the Dallas PD, um, but I just- Their report was actually pretty detailed, I thought, for the time period, especially. Yeah, for the time period. But I, I just, I don't understand, um, because she had the belt around her neck, they, you would still think that there would be bruising. Would you, wouldn't you think that they still would gra- get any kind of DNA on the belt itself? Yeah, I mean, you would think, yes, yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I know, and and um, I know that like there are other articles that were found in her, you know, around her, like the crown royal bag, uh, sandals, and like uh, hair particles. Like, they but have we don't know whose sandals those are, but like, I mean, if you just look at them, you can probably like do they look like they would have fit her <laughs> like yeah it seems you know like I mean? you know it's so like, sense. like you can probably like you know assume whether or not like they were hers or not you would think anyway so, so there are <laughs> actual like I, I swear I oh my god it's like they are just whoever was the lead investigator whoever did the crime scene really sucks at puzzles because <laughs> i mean like you would think that hey the pieces all right. are right there <laughs> <laughs> like literally right there right it's like right there um it, it 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 blew my mind that none of these were even considered hey this looks all suspicious the thing that bothered me the most and i'm going to be completely honest is that i forget his name because it I'm so upset. I couldn't even remember his damn name. When he stated, the the investigator, the freaking homicide detective that stated in the, in the stupid news article, when he said, oh, we can't determine that it's a murder because we don't know who put her there. Um, Sir, there is a dead body in the back of a trunk with mysterious items next to her. Literally, aren't all homicides like you don't know who did them until you figure it out? You are a homicide (laughs) detective. That is your job. Like, yeah, exactly. Do you not know your definition? Like, seriously. So when, so I just had to put that in there because, oh my gosh, I. (laughs) When I when I read the article, I I had to read it twice, and I looked at my husband. I'm like. Is is this serious? <laughs> is this is this what I'm really reading? Like, did he really yeah. state that in the news article? <laughs> it is ridiculous. And you know, I actually like went back and looked at the weather during that time period specifically because they have it. You know, just like you can look it up. Like the I think the airport keeps track too. And like yeah. I'm pretty sure the highest temperature that it ever got. I want to say it was like around 70 degrees. So that's not hot. That's actually pretty cool. For Texas? Yeah, it's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. So a lot of things don't really add up, especially when you add them up together all like, you know, at once overall and look at it, then it really doesn't make sense. I just, something's missing or something's, you know, someone's lying or, you know, like something just that it doesn't add up. 
So another thing. All right. So she, so your aunt lives, her apartment is an, is an Irving, is an Irvine, sorry. Near, 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 near it. Yes. Like yeah, near it. towards north, northern, like north, I don't know, northeast, northwest-ish. But she yeah. was found like down, down south, basically. Yeah. So she's, so she's found about like what, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but your aunt is legally blind. So she needs glasses or contacts, but those items yeah. were found on her nightstand. And yet yep. the cops didn't think, oh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> this is suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? Like, this is odd. It really is. So, you know, like, I, I'm really, I'm really happy that, you know, people are finally, it, it's been, it's, you've been so patient. You really have. And I, I know that you it's have. Been hard. <laughs> it's Girl, probably have- better that I'm not local, honestly. The fact oh. that I'm not local to Dallas, has, I feel realistically probably saved <laughs> me and probably some other people a little bit of confrontation <laughs> oh my gosh like yeah um because I honestly I don't even know how I wouldn't even know how to relate because it's like that I'd be I'm like mind-boggled I'm 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 pissed because it feels like I mean, there were yeah there were there were some instances where if i had been local when i had you know found out certain things i probably would have marched right in to one of the you know the police departments or something and just like demanded to talk to somebody about it like right now like i need to talk to somebody about this like right this second and i'm not taking no for an answer unless you take me out of here in handcuffs (laughs) because it just makes no sense it's like you they basically swept it under the rug and just like oh we'll deal with it another day and i feel that the only reason and i'm glad that this happened the only reason they actually got attention was because the amount of attention your your aunt's case is getting like a fire was lit under their asses and that is about damn well, time. Yeah. well the fire was lit under my ass when i lost my mom really and that if anything pissed me off more than anything because i feel like it could have been avoided 100 Uh percent. you know she i'm not saying she was perfect obviously no one is she had her days or whatnot but like if they could have just kept her in the loop and not drug her in circles for so many years i believe she would still be here today the lack of respect and honesty from Dallas PD is what really makes me upset for you guys. Yeah. Because in like, my opinion, I think they have literally the blood on their hands of all three of my immediate female family members and and my mother. And you have personally. full right to feel that way. You really do. Um, you take it on so, so much, Katrina. And the fact is that like, you, you, you basically do be investigating your aunt's case on your own and finally getting momentum. And, um, and I'm, and I'm literally following with you and supporting you any way I can, because I'm, I'm cheering with you behind you. Like, Hey, I got you. (laughs) Cause I mean, I mean, you're burning fires. I'm like, hey, where's the fire? Like, <laughs> I'm trying. I, I appreciate I like, all the help. Like, I'm, I'm with you, girl, because I, like, you have full right to feel the way that you feel. Um, I love the honesty, and I feel like you deserve the full honesty from Dallas PD because that the lack of what they've given you, you, yeah, it made me so upset, but. So I want to let the viewers know, where can they keep finding any updates for you? Like, where can they hear more about your aunt's case? You have a GoFundMe, anything, or kind of? Well, it's, I have a petition. A petition, um, yeah. Yes, it's the petition. Um, and then I also, a lot of people get a hold of me through Twitter, I've noticed. They have a very large 
um, you know, true crime, you know, unsolved cold cases, missing people, you know, a very large following and a large network, you know, of of people on there that really can help push it. And another really useful like tool or, you know, thing I found that's been helpful is there's a website called Uncovered. And so on Uncovered, they have like cold case database or, oh, yeah. you know, they have, yeah, yeah. And so they've been really helpful for like, you know, it's like you can just share the link and it kind of like breaks down the case or at least the basics of it, you know, and kind of gives updates. And they, they just updated her case on their website finally to a murder, of course. So um, they usually are pretty good about keeping that updated and that's been really helpful and a lot of the people you know that are part of that community have rallied around me a lot to help me you know put it out there more a lot more great I'm I will be linking all that information um for everyone to go follow especially with uh, Katrina's Twitter and uncovered and everything else and her petition um and if you want to contact her like you heard you can um, contact her through Twitter. Um, is there anything else that you would like to tell um, our listeners? I mean, I would just say that there's um, currently like a, a somewhat of a, uh, I don't know if he's new per se, but he's, I think he's newer to the homicide unit, but uh, the current detective that I've been working with, um, you can also send him tips or information if you have anything and his name is sergeant uh jerry girdler at the dallas police department um and all of his information is also on the case listings for the dallas police department social media postings great awesome okay that's perfect so i will also be linking that in my show notes I love that we have fresh faces with new eyes and a brand new ad, like go get them attitude. So hopefully this guy can actually, you know, fix some yeah. mistakes that the older generation did. Well, um, I think even he sometimes from the conversations I've had with this detective, even he's just like, well, I wonder like, you know, thinking out loud, just, you know, I, well, why did they do that? <laughs> you know, just like, well, that's just, uh, huh, I'll have to look into that a little more, I guess. <laughs> like, you know, just, you can just kind of hear the, a little bit of that confusion, even like in his, in his tone, just like subconsciously, just like, you know, oh, it's I not just, you know, it's not just me, one. it's, <laughs> I yeah, like him already. Been really helpful, and he keeps in contact pretty well too. I've noticed, so that's that's been nice and refreshing. That's for sure. That is great. You know what? I like this dude. I love him already. Yeah, that was like a good <laughs> dude. All right, so he, I will he be... seems legitimate. But we'll good. See. That's that's what we need. <laughs> I love it exactly. So I will be linking all that information for anybody who's interested in following along. And also if anybody has any information regarding any tips, you can go ahead and um, send those in to, um, to the lead investigator um, from Dallas PD. But thank you, Katrina. So, I'm sorry. Sure. Or, or to, or to <laughs> yeah. Katrina. Yes. But thank you so much, so, so much for taking time to just even share, literally share your aunt's story and any updates because you're doing a lot and you have my full respect. You really do. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm okay. glad I have supporters that actually, you know, will have my back in certain situations, especially, you know, if I'm not there to defend myself or something. Of course. Well, you know, you always have me. You know, just the criminologist, you know, from the visitation, always, I'll always have your back, girl. <laughs> and I know you'll always be honest with me and I don't have to, you know, worry about, you know, you sugarcoating anything for me either. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't do, I, I don't do that stuff. That's not, that's never been my, it's never been my forte at all. <laughs> I'm a horrible liar. Me anyway. neither. <laughs> this is why we're friends. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so, so much.
In my personal opinion, the lack of respect and ethics behind the way Dallas PD handled Katrina's case back in the day is truly infuriating. I can't say that enough. Despite everything that has been thrown in this case, Katrina's family is not giving up, especially her niece, Katrina Marshall. I have so much respect for Katrina Marshall. I have been following this case ever since it literally was emailed to me and been presented to me almost a year and a few months ago. It's been a, it's been a very long time and I've been following very closely on this case. And Katrina and I, we created established a friendship over this because I believe in justice and fairness and I am very honest with Katrina because that's what she and her family deserves. And I'm so glad that her family are now getting the attention that they deserve. They actually have a new investigator on Katrina Mowry's case, which is fantastic. So if anyone with information about this case, please contact Katrina Marshall. And I will also be linking her petition on my show notes. So you can go ahead and sign and also be linking her Twitter so you can contact her with any information. Also, if you have information regarding this case, you can contact Sergeant Jerry Gertler at 214-671-3661 or at coldcase at dallaspd.gov. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Katrina Mowry's case. And please share her story as this keeps her case afloat and visible. It's, it's truly time for her case to be solved. And her family to get the peace and the respect that they deserve. If you would like to submit a case to be featured on The Visitation, you can contact me at the visitation podcast at gmail.com or contact me via social media on my platforms through Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok under the handle the visitation podcast. And those will be linked in my show notes. Again, I appreciate every one of y'all very, very much. Again, I am your host, Crystal Coral. Stay safe, everyone, and we will talk soon.